See brown in your face. Have you heard of everything at once? Do you know about everything at once? It's internationally known. Aliens listen to it. It's the best. <laughs> if there's something you're looking for in the 814, or feeling a little bored and think there ain't no more, no check more. out everything at once and allow it to be a source. It's that raw podcast that's always showing support, highlighting the scene. No need to take I-90 to people, 79 to CIB. Interviewing your locals with mindsets that are global. Innovators and creators on every single upload. So much going on in the EPA. all you intergalactic listeners we would like to start today's broadcast with a special thanks to all of our patreon producers brian g josh w e and d nick g and sadie m patreon is an awesome way to support this show and say thanks you can become a patreon supporter by clicking the link below and choosing to be an intern assistant or producer level supporter and when we hit 10 patreon supporters dave is going to perform an incredible feat that is yet to be determined. Hopefully it's something good. <laughs> we also want to thank all the local businesses and sponsors that supported this episode. These businesses get the everything at once stamp of approval. We couldn't do without them. And for those of you who have not heard, there are some interesting changes going on at Cauldron and Thorn. Yeah, what's going on there? Two years ago, America's first family of darkness landed in Erie, Pennsylvania. In a few short months, they built the world's largest shop, dedicated to the magical arts and metaphysical sciences. This summer, they invite you to explore the shadows of the human experience, a carefully curated catalog of arcane artifacts, and occult ephemera for the discerning collector. Cauldron and Thorn proudly presents The Dark Curiosities of the Vault. Well, Dave, they invited me back, and I checked it out, and I've got to say there is some incredible extraordinary paranormal stuff back there that's really just uh it's it really takes it to the next level they're going above and beyond what they're used to out there you always get all the all the sneak peeks <laughs> damn it but you know what I'm next su- time uh, next time indeed i'm super pumped though is there anything else you can say about it well not a whole lot right now you're just gonna have to go back there and check it out yourself uh, when the vault is finally open. And uh, I will be going there. We'll be going to uh, Cauldron and Thorn, which is located at 2724 West 8th Street. Um, I'll be going there in person to see what's in that vault since you already got that sneak peek, you bastard. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, I guess we should just get back to promoting uh, the sponsors. Yeah, let's get back to promoting the sponsors. Solid State. Solid State takes pride in all home remodeling projects. Solid State specializes in bathroom remodeling, kitchen renovations, windows and door installation, custom design work, and more, including painting, flooring, drywall, siding, decks. Get your free quote today by calling Nick at 814-397-7854. Solid Solid people, people, solid product, solid state construction. Got a problem with your car? 
Tommy's Automotive can take care of everything car-related. Tommy's Automotive is a reliable, trustworthy service provider. That's right. Tommy's Automotive can take care of brakes, exhaust, fluid changes, spark plugs, and all other maintenance needs. Tommy's Automotive also does fluid film undercoating to keep your car from getting eaten alive this winter by rust. Book your appointment today. Call Tommy at 814-384-8088. And now... What you've all been waiting for, our next guest, Adam Holquist, Ooh. a.k.a. One Wayness. One Wayness. Known for dropping those sick trance and ambient beats. Beats, music. He's going to explain it to you. He's, he's the expert, not us. He's the expert, and it's great to sit down and chat with him a little bit about his music that he's creating. It really was awesome, and I enjoyed listening to it. It's great for meditating or doing creative activities, and we really hope you guys enjoy this show. We know you will. So we were doing the, the live show on Sunday nights, but uh, when I got my, my cheap mic for doing... The, the show from my house on Sundays. It was like what was it called? Social distancing. Uh, social distancing variety hour. Um, <laughs> That's such a ooh, cool name. Very nice. Um, yeah, I bought like a thirty dollar Amazon mic, just like quote unquote large diaphragm condenser. It's a it's a Neewer brand. N e e w e. Never even heard of it. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's cheap and terrible. But like it was it was literally thirty or forty bucks, and but it came with a. Uh, a like desktop gooseneck clamp, clamp Those are thing, nice. and a, a, one of these guys, the pop filter, and a, and a pop filter, like a circular pop wow. filter. So I'm like, bucks. It, yeah. It's so I was like, literally, if stuff. if I throw the mic in the trash, right, the rest Even, of the stuff that I got for free with it is almost worth what I paid for it. Exactly. And it's been perfectly fine. Like I, I. Uh, I produced one of the tracks on L. Taylor's last album. Like she came over to the house and like she sang her vocals through that mic. So it's hmm. like it's on L. Taylor's album. It's nice. on every live stream I've done from my house, uh, and it was super cheap and good. Yeah, I think awesome. so, I think that's good. Uh, you're staying true to the roots of variety radio show hours. It probably cost forty bucks to produce it back in like the thirties and forties. <laughs> right. So you really were on brand with that, you know? It, yeah, like <laughs> you know. Yeah, like it's like I try and do this like try and do this like kind of you know quote unquote high tech stuff in sort of a DIY punk rock kind of way. So appreciate that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and like I, you know I like my I like my fancy toys and I like my good stuff that I've got, but you know there's some sometimes you just need like enough tool to do the job and you know what's the harbor freight equivalent of getting a microphone you go on amazon and you get the 30 dollar condenser mic from a brand you've never heard of that sounds fine right they do for the most part uh we had to we tried with condensers for a little bit but they're the ones that i bought are just so sensitive that Mm -hmm. uh you could hear austin walking around upstairs on the ceiling well you get so much room noise too right yeah yeah, I, I like these dynamic ones a lot better. Adam, it's so cool. Thank you. Thanks again for coming down here and hanging out with us. Absolutely, today. my pleasure. Happy to be here. So you are. I was listening to your music earlier today. One way, your solo stuff. One wayness. That's me. And uh, I greatly enjoyed it. And it was not really what I was expecting because I know you from like LEC and stuff sure. like that. So I'm thinking like, 
you know, a bunch of interesting loops, some jazzy piano, maybe a little bit of funk flavor in there, heavy bass lines. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of bass lines in most of that stuff. There was not any at all. Every now and then I would think, like, at least early on when I was listening to it, I was like, okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to develop into... Not that it's not a song, but like more of what I think of as a traditional song. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, here's it goes. It's the melody starting to come in and everything's starting to fill up. And uh, that never happened. <laughs> but it was, I, and it was great. I enjoyed it. I like very ambient. I like ambient music like that. And uh, like what kind of what kind of genre would you consider that your music? Um, I mean, it's definitely ambient. I, I kind of. I, I intentionally rewrote my bio a couple of years ago to take the word ambient out of it. Oh, okay. Like, I, uh, I, because <sighs> ambient music means so many different things to so many different people. Like sure. there's, um, you know, if you're, if you're a raver, if you're a techno person, if you're a house person or whatever, ambient is like that, but down tempo, that, but more chill. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that gets marketed or gets sold as ambient music that is very, um, like lo-fi hip hop almost. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 I lo- and I love that lo-fi hip hop stuff. Right. And, you know, some of the stuff I make kind of Resonates approaches that, that right. lo-fi hip hop stuff. And I, I dig that stuff for sure. But, you know, the stuff that, the stuff that I kind of don't want to be associated with mostly is the, like the the new age stuff that gets sold in like gift shops and you know gets you know and you're you're not the kind of music that I would expect to buy at a gift shop CD or like a you you know I I, you guys are both a little bit younger than I am but you know you used to go to these you know sort of resort towns and there would be like the the sort of hippie shops and there'd be all these little CD kiosks of Mm -hmm. like beautiful piano music Mm, right great to listen to on the beach forest on a summer evening and (laughs) shit like that and like you know I there are elements of that stuff in some of what I do. You can but... hear the forest in some of your songs. Oh, there's literal forests in some <laughs> yeah, of my songs. Exactly. I was going to say, I listen to a little forest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a and... forest. Yes, a yes. forest. Right, there we are. Right. <laughs> Somebody's clipping, is it me? I think it's me. Uh, it's all right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want to be those, like, walk on a forest in a summer evening kind of, you know, things that you... Uh, you know, put on for your put on for your yoga classes and stuff like right. that, and not not hating on yoga, not because you know I yoga I would, classes I would, need their music, I, and mm-hmm. I would love to be music for yoga classes, but like so much of that stuff is is just so kind of insipid and mm-hmm. uh, and and that's the stuff that I kind of want to distance myself from right. a little mm-hmm. bit. It's like pretentious. Oh, and I, oh, and I'm not afraid of being pretentious. No, like, not I, you. But no, like, I, oh, I'm saying like I embrace my pretentiousness. I right. own my pretentiousness for sure. That's the only way you can be uh, successfully pretentious. I feel like is just to to Accept really it. just your, lean into it, completely. sink your teeth into yeah, right. it. You know, you're yep. pretentious. Yes, I am. I'm yes, a snob. Yes, I am. Oh, I uh, you know, I will never pretend to not be a snob. I'm a snob for multiple, multiple things. <laughs> exactly. For sure. For sure. For sure. But I, I greatly enjoyed it, and some of the stuff that I really liked is, like, the, the foresty stuff, you know what I mean? You have songs that you're listening to, and you hear the crickets chirping in the background, and you got this kind of casual drone or these uh, really chill melody or, like, tones that are going on, mm-hmm. and uh, it was great music to work to today. 
Awesome. Yeah, I got a bunch of stuff done. It was fantastic. Well, and that's that's kind of one of my favorite things that I get told a lot. Like people who, you know, I've got friends who are artists, friends who are writers, friends who do things like that. And one of my favorite things to hear that I do get told kind of a lot is that people like to use it as music to create other things too. Mm -hmm. And like, that's awesome to me. Like, that, and that's not what I make it for. Like, I'm not here making like, you know, lo-fi lo beats to study to. Study but, slash relax. <laughs> to slash study slash relax. Game slash yeah. whatever. Um, but, you know, the fact that people do, you know, find it conducive to that you know, bringing out their own creativity, you know, bringing out their own. Yeah, I like, I like that people get some sort of contemplative use out of it. Absolutely. And use maybe isn't the word, but you, you know what I mean. It's yeah. a lot easier to do with... Um, music that isn't lyrical or yeah. lyrical based you know i don't think that's just me that's a pretty common thing but that's my favorite thing with this type of music is it's almost like reading a book to me like you use your own imagination like more than you would like watching a movie or listen mm -hmm. to like a pop song that has the lyrics thrown at you you get to kind of more create your own adventure yeah yeah choose your own adventure music choose your own adventure that's music. what you I should like call it, it. Yeah, like choose that. your own adventure that's music. a fine genre name right there <laughs> so how did you when did you start playing music has it been a lifelong thing i'm sure it has most of the music yeah I, I actually i started as a bass player okay. um you know and i picked up bass when i was i think about 14 15 mm -hmm. um and was in like garage bands that never went anywhere in high school fun um and then went off to college, and college got hard and didn't really have time for playing music much in college. And then it was kind of right after college that I was uh, unemployed and broke and uh, not, part of not leaving my house. And I made what ended up being the first one, Wayne's EP, years and years before it ever turned into an ongoing project. I had just gotten, a, this was like 2000, 2001. Uh, dating myself here, but uh, got my first CD burner Ooh, for my sweet. yeah for my desktop computer at the time, uh, and it came with some music software. It came with this program called Acid, which has become it's gotten lumped into some other program. I don't mm -hmm. even know what, but and it came with a bunch of loops and you know a bunch of sounds, and I found a bunch of other sounds. I'm like, I'm gonna experiment with this and figure out what I can make out of this and. Over over a bunch of nights in like 2002, I made like 15, 20 minutes of music and went, awesome, that's an EP. I'm putting that out. Sure, why not? And it was like, there, that's a fun thing I'll never do again. <laughs> um, and then Little up, did you know. Little did I know. Um, <laughs> like and then, you know, kind of got back into playing bass and played in other bands. I was in a band with Matt Texter for a while called The Moralists. Yeah, he's like, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Matt's, Matt's a great pal. Uh, I know you guys have had him on the show. Um, but that was like 2005, six, seven, uh, played in a couple other bands. And then it was, I guess about 2010 or so I had gotten a new computer at the time and started installing some music software. Right. Um, I was like, oh, I'm going to start playing around with this again. And there was a, a series of shows that happened at the time. There were, I think three or four of them called Barrage. That was it was basically like we're gonna pull bands out of a hat. Hmm. Uh, then we it kind of turned years later into a thing called Purple Jam that we did for a couple of years. I don't know if you heard about that, but um, it was basically you know anybody who wants to do it, we're gonna you know every band gets 
a guitarist, a bass player, a drummer, a whatever. Um, and you got six weeks to go off, write a set, play a show. Yeah. So the uh, the band that I got drawn with at some point ended up with three bass players. <laughs> um, so I'm like, some I'm funky shit right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would have been one way to do things. So I'm like, I will just. Uh, I'll just opt out of playing bass for most of this and I'm going to make some weird sounds and, you know, play some guitar and do some effects and, you know, make some beats and, you know, drop some samples. And so that kind of got me back into, back into exploring some of that kind of the technology weird sonic it. stuff and technology. And then I, I kind of had a bunch of ideas that got left on the cutting room floor for that show. And I'm like, this is a thing. I, I need to finish this, and uh, that that kind of became the first proper One Wayness album, which came out in, in fall of 2011. Hmm. And then I've kind of been at it ever since. And then it, it kind of became from, and even at that time, it was like it was very much a studio creation, and you know, put together a track at a time, and no, no real thought given to how am I going to play this live? How am I going to, you know, do this as a performance you know, or do anything. this as a performance or anything it, it was just it was just making a record and then i found some some opportunities to go out and perform and i'm like well i guess i gotta i gotta figure this out so you know some of that some of that early stuff i i did adapt to be able to play and i wrote some new stuff and i figured out how to kind of improvise with instruments and technology and sure you know and now i've been that was about 2011 that i started started performing with it and, and I've been at it since then. It's I'm sure it's I I see like so many people using loop pedals and stuff anymore for one way or not for one way but for one man band like productions, you know yeah. what I mean? You got a guy who he'll lay down like a bass line or a drum track or whatever, a guitar track and then he'll loop it and loop over it and you end up with something that's really complex and beautiful at the end of it. Yeah. And I and I do a certain amount of that. I actually end up using software loopers more than hardware pedal loopers right um I, I do have a looper on my pedal board because i've finally become a pedal board guy mm. after telling myself for years i was not going to let myself be a pedal Some board people guy. love those things too though. i i like it okay um but i like my software looper better because i can do multiple loops that are not all the same length mm -hmm. which when you're making layers and trying to do textural things having a loop that's and and you can do longer loops too like the looper pedals you can loop two bars or four bars or whatever. So if you're, if you're building rhythmic stuff that's in time with itself, then that's great. But being able to have two loops that aren't at all in time with each other and are kind of drifting back and forth over each other, uh, and you got you know one that's 12 seconds long and one that's 16 seconds long, and uh, you know you're adding to adding to one and then switching to the other and adding to the other and letting both of them decay at different amounts. So like right. it, it lets you do, lets well, you get deeper with the texture than right. just a looper pedal where it's like, let me put down the bass line, Let me put down the, the two chord chunk thing. Having like, one longer than the other two, I feel like really makes it, uh, it changes it. Yeah. It makes it evolve more. Like it's not, are those headphones okay for you? You oh, want, are, is the cord long enough? You no, want me to adjust okay. it? You it's, good? it's a little, like it's a little bit, wrapped around the leg of the table okay. or something. Let's switch that up for you. You look okay. like you're, it's bothering you a little bit here. You want to take them off? Sure. And I'll unwrap them here. Uh, here. Over here. 
We'll chop that out. No, I was giving it the good fucking uh, standby music <laughs> okay, we'll, there. We'll see. We'll stay in. It continues. Yeah, what do you think I was doing over here? I was, I was filling the space, you know? We're, you, we're, we're in the mood with it. This is a very, very uh, avant-garde. <laughs> that's right. That's what I go for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what it sounds like. That's got to be, like, <laughs> difficult. Uh, that's got to be, like, more difficult, though. It's like... I wouldn't say like fitting a square peg into a circle hole, but uh, it always seems like avant-garde music is just so hard for people to latch on to. It's like always ahead of its time in a way, or it's just trash. I think, <laughs> I, think I think it might be, it's harder for the consumer to appreciate, especially like a lay consumer who's used to very certain, you know, song yeah. structure and music structure and stuff. Well, it, it's, it's like, you know, you get asked to describe it to people or tell people what it sounds like, and it's like, well, that depends. What are you familiar with? <laughs> right. Yeah. How can I? So, make this like, make people sense who have never you? heard anything beyond classic rock radio, I'm like, well, it kind of sounds like Pink Floyd. Yeah. Um, which I love Pink Floyd, yeah, and sure. like, I've you know, I've been playing, I've been playing with Darksider for the last couple of couple oh, of years. Awesome. They're so, fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, they are. Yeah. They they pulled me in last year, not not this past year, the year before. That's uh, Eric yeah. Brewer, right? Eric Brewer, Ralph Reitinger. Uh, is Ralph the bass player? Yeah, Ralph cool. is playing bass. Steve Barone's playing I need drums. To get, I'm trying to work out something with Eric right now to get him on the show soon. Oh yeah, so he things would be, to come. He would things be a come. good guest. I'll put a. He doesn't. He doesn't answer texts or messages he, or, or. He does or sometimes. Sometimes we've had few communications. But yeah. He's, We're working it out. He's a hard man to. <laughs> he's a hard man to get a hold of. No, he's a fantastic musician though, and Darksiders wonderful. Yeah, and I, I love th- Pink Floyd. I love Pink Floyd too. And I was just about to say, when people ask you about it, when I'm thinking of that kind of music, it's like, what are you on a scale of Pink Floyd to Yoko Ono Primal Screaming? You know. <laughs> and if you're closer to the Pink Floyd side of the scale, I'm gonna give you a try. <laughs> like, um, and, you know, honestly, honestly, both. Like Yoko, Yoko gets such a bad rap. I just, I just said, ah, yeah, I'm yeah. not gonna, you know, it just yeah. hurts my ears, <laughs> you know, it just hurt my ears. Yeah, <laughs> she sounds better. Than I, me. I can, I can go off on my defending Yoko on a tangent here. You know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, Beatle fan dude bros who like to rag on Yoko, which is not what I'm saying that you're doing. That's exactly, but, it, but that, that is who he is. That is who I am. Just like you embrace the pretentiousness, I, I'm a Beatles dude bro. Well, and I, and I and grew up. Head. I grew up as a huge Beatles fan. <laughs> so did I. And um, and I didn't get it. But you know, there's there is so much. Like Yoko was a, a really legitimate, respectable artist before she ever met John. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, visual artist, conceptual artist, and music. Or if you need to put music in rabbit ears for you know what what Yoko records is just she's. She's a multimedia conceptual artist. And people, a lot of people like to hate on Yoko. And there's a lot of racism in why people like to hate on Yoko. Hmm. Not here. I love Asians. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to make that clear to everybody. (laughs) And there's a lot of misogyny in why people hate on Yoko. People, you know... Not that either not, of these not apply a to Dave. Not Dave. <laughs> right. Dave's one of the good ones. But yeah, a lot of people, like, it's it's lazy to hate on Yoko because you hate women. It's lazy to hate on Yoko because you're a racist. Right. And, and so much of the hate, well, and 
it's maybe not lazy, but it's real easy to hate on Yoko because you don't understand conceptual art or mm-hmm. or anything outside you know, of uh, your normal cookie any, cutter anything thing. outside of what you've been exposed to. Right. So it, it, Yoko gets I I am not a I don't spend a lot of time listening to the vocal stylings of Yoko Ono. I will okay. admit. Um, I have, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's um, a lot of people who don't like other screaming music too, specifically. Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't. I don't I really like metal. metal. I don't really like okay. metal either. Okay. So it's kind of fits. Well, into and, that and box. metal. Metal took me. Metal took me some time. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't grow up on metal, um, and I definitely didn't grow up on you know metal with death vocals. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or any kind of intense, Hardcore extreme metal in, in vocalizations. Kind of yeah. yeah, and uh, Opeth was my was my gateway drug to uh, to any kind of like I'm, metal with metal with screaming vocals or metal with any kind of death vocals. I'm gonna have to remember that because I'm trying to convert Celinda into a metal aficionado so she can go to metal shows with me, and it's not worked so far. Yeah. Well, I grew up on a lot of '70s progressive rock. Like, I grew up into like King Crimson and Yes, and like really old Genesis and stuff like that. So that's kind of like, and it was kind of from that stuff that I got into a lot of the classic ambient music and the classic experimental electronic music Mm -hmm. because it's a it's a pretty short jump from that stuff to Brian Eno and to you know Tangerine Dream and Kraftwerk and stuff like that. Um, so it was kind of through, it was kind of backwards through, you know, some people come to ambient music kind of from the EDM side, like sure. they, they start off with trance or house music or industrial or, you know, any of that stuff and, and just chill out from there. I, I kind of came to it from around the other side, you know, from the more kind of forward from the roots of it, from the, from the kind of seventies stuff. Um, but it's all kind of there. Like it's kind of. One side has given me more appreciation for the other. And like, I, I really, I didn't understand hip hop until I was almost 30. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, That's it was strange for being in a hip hop band. Yeah. Like it was, it is, <laughs> um, you know, it was one of those things that was around when I was a kid, you know, I, I, you know, I was a, I was a teenager in the nineties. Hell yeah. And, uh, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and Snoop all Dogg, people laying Snoop it down. Dogg and Dr. Dre and all of that stuff came out when I was in like middle school, early oh, high school. That was your jam. Tupac, Biggie. I, I loved it in high school, but I was like 10 years behind, I think. And I it was it. not my jam. Yeah. Like I was like, I was into all this really, really player oriented music mm-hmm. and, you know, very musician oriented music. Right. And I really like turned my nose up at this stuff at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, nobody's nobody's playing anything. Nobody's like, right? Nobody, Where's the music? Nobody's the shredding on this no, stuff. It's man. not technical like, enough. No, it wasn't. And, and I'm like, and I look back at all of these things that I was too, I was too closed minded in my, in my. It has to be this, right. you know, It has to be this certain thing. Your pretentiousness. Like I said, I, I lean into my pretentiousness, right. like, and, and like I didn't appreciate Nirvana when Nirvana came out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, eh. yeah, I mean, it's not like super technical music. Yeah, it's like, pretty simple. Yeah, it's not King Crimson, right? <laughs> I felt the same way about a lot of metal music because I loved like the really fast melodic death metal with double bass and really intense melodies uh-huh. and harmonies and stuff like that. And then I'd hear other ones that were like uh, like Tool or like Dream Theater, and I'm like, oh, okay, hey, like. 
it's still okay, but these guys are obviously not as talented. Well, as... And, and Dream Theater was was a big gateway thing to metal for me. Sure. Like, uh, you know, I, I first heard Dream Theater in probably 95. Um, I got Awake when Awake came out. That's early Dream Theater. Yeah, that's the third album. Um, but, like, it had gotten, you know, Mike Portnoy was getting... My brother's a drummer, so I read all the drum magazines at mm-hmm. the time. My brother, who's younger than me. Uh, I read all the drum magazines at the time, and like this guy Mike Portnoy gets talked about in all the drum magazines mm. about how he's the next whatever, and you know everybody, and all the other guys in the band get talked about as like, oh, they're they're such great players, the guy, just, the man, yeah. the best. Uh, so so I checked it out, and I'm like, oh, this is really heavy. I don't know that I'm ready for this, hmm. um, and and I still really liked Rush at the time. Like I've outgrown Rush. Like I don't care anymore about about rush but i was a big rush fan when i was like you know 14 15 right at, at the age that's an appropriate age to be a big rush fan um i still like rush i wouldn't say i'm a big rush fan but i definitely enjoyed their yeah. music a lot um and so like that was that was the hook for dream theater for me it's i'm like it's kind of like rush there you go but heavier so like that was that was the part that appealed to me about them at the time, and now that's the part that I don't like about them at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what got me in high school was uh, I never got emo music. Like I hated it. Like emo music, that whole scene. I, when I was younger, was all all rap, all hip hop. Like okay. Like when I was in high school, that's all I listened to was rap music. That was my jam, and like the emo music, or like the, some of the punk music. Some of the metal, but more like the punk emo. I'm like, this is just depressing. We, you know, like, hey, maybe I missed the missed the point on it, but I was just like, this is stupid. Like, so, I'm gonna listen to DMX, you know. So, so what? What was what was emo at that time? Are we talking like, like Fallout Boy, yeah. and My Chemical Romance, yeah, yeah, yeah. like Coheed and Cambria? Okay. Well, Coheed and Cambria is interesting because it's like that's that's a little bit more progressive. Yeah. Yeah, well, see, I my I was broken at the time. I you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I threw it all into one box, you right? Know, kind yeah. of like no, and and I definitely threw it all into one box when I was you know when I was a teenager and into my twenties, and like I I feel like yeah, it wasn't until it wasn't until my late twenties that I started to understand a lot of things, and now like I'm my listening tastes are way more eclectic than than they ever were when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I feel like mine have, there was a lot of stuff that I swore off back then and a lot of stuff that I have learned to appreciate more now, but I was always pretty, uh, my, my listening was pretty expansive. There were only like certain sections that I didn't like or certain branches of the same tree that I didn't like. But for the most part, I listened to everything, hip hop, rap, uh, metal music, emo music, classic rock, lots of classic rock. Yeah. And I was a, I was a big classic rock kid back in the day too. In middle school, before I discovered emo music, and then I was like, oh, okay, this is like new good classic rock. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Just making those connections between the stuff that we're familiar with. There's that whole other side of the tree though that gets the most hate, which is which is country music. See, I hated country music, but now I really appreciate. I still don't like country music but i'll but i'll say i like folk and i like bluegrass and stuff mm-hmm. well and you guys are are obviously real tight with people like tyler oh yeah people for like sure. matt texter and then those are my boys um so love what they do right which you don't have to stretch it too far to make that 
country music. No, it's really close, yeah. but it's um, just not on the radio. Uh, right. It makes me, it gives me that pretentiousness that I need to make myself feel more important or sophisticated uh, right. than all the plebeian, the, the pedestrians who uh, listen to country, the wolf yeah. or whatever on the, the radio. The, the, fir- the first time, I'm sorry to say this if you're watching, when you're watching, but the first time Tyler Smilo gets a video on CMT, I'm probably going to have to stop listening to yeah, it. No, yeah, just, right. I'm, I'm totally joking. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a sad day for everybody, except for Tyler Smilo. Yeah, yeah, he'll be doing this. He'll be making that CMT money. <laughs> yeah, dude. But uh, it's interesting how music evolves and is progressive. And building those links and stuff like that and having the open mind to see where the, the branches of music all kind of tie and coalesce into you know, similar things that we can enjoy and relate to and have that familiarity with. Well, and I feel like you make more interesting things when, like, I've got friends who make stuff that on the surface is kind of like the kind of stuff that I'm making. Mm-hmm. But that's also all they listen to. Like, they grew up on 70s and 80s ambient music, and that, now that's what they make. So, and anything that is too far to the left or to the right of that they have never heard so it is not it's not pollinating the stuff that they're making right so they're making stuff that sounds exactly like everything they've ever heard and i feel like to really make stuff that sounds like yourself and doesn't just sound like everything you've ever listened to you've almost you've either got to not listen to anything at all and be coming at it totally blind right and be like just me all me right i don't even know what music is i'm just i'm just i'm just vibing right now um or let so much in that it's it turns everything at once baby it turns into (laughs) it's everything at once yeah (laughs) it turns into everything you ever heard and not just i'm gonna make things that sound like this one thing which is the only thing that Mm -hmm. i like and there's a lot of times where some, the things that are close enough can kind of coalesce into each other very nicely. Like the LEC, for example, has a little bit of funkiness to them mm-hmm. outside of that hip-hop branch, and they all kind of come from the same roots. You sure. Know? And uh, I think that's really special and awesome, especially when like the genre-bending new stuff that wasn't supposed to make sense, but when you put it on your headphones or play it in your car, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is great. And why hasn't anybody done this before? You know. Well, and you know, the LEC, we've, we're all kind of coming from different places. Um, you know, we've got our areas that we kind of all agree on, or two or three of us agree on. But like Chris Head's a huge metalhead, mm-hmm. and Chris Head grew up on you know Yes and King Crimson and all the same stuff that I did. So there will be these little like heavy things or these little like time, Breakdowns and time stuff. signature things that like Chris Head and I will like nerd out at each other across the room on. And Johnny's really into ambient music and electronic music. Mm-hmm. Like it, there's a lot of like his own tracks that he's like gone and grabbed a beat off, you know, SoundCloud or whatever. Like there are things that he's made from like really important ambient music like it's it's definitely like that's there in johnny's dna um so you know we're and there are things that come out when the lec happens that i'm like i don't know who this came from because none of us like anything that sounds anything like this like i don't like reggae oh no don't well, say that stuff down here. That's, yeah, yeah. Boo. I'm no, boo. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm just like, kidding. I don't really like reggae. None of us really like reggae. 
but there's reggae stuff that comes out in the LEC every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know who this came from. And if this were anybody else, I would probably not even enjoy this. But uh, <laughs> but this is but this is a vibe, and we're we're into it. We're going, dude. I love reggae. Reggae but, is pretty dope. Yeah, you're the outsider on this one. Yeah, it's okay. I'm I'm, I'm I don't mind being the outsider. Mm-hmm. So, with all of these different influences coming together, and do you guys have different? Or have difficulties like tying all your stuff together? Does it go well for you or magically just seems to happen? You're talking about LEC. Yeah. Um, It depends. You know, I think think we can kind of be filters for each other. Like Mm -hmm. we, we, each of us on our own have our things that we tend to go too far or not enough in one direction and... And the other ones can kind of be there to be like, no, let's have one fewer section in this, or like, no, we we need to we need to have this not be one four chord loop for this entire tune, or, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, there there are things where the LEC to me, it definitely there are a lot of songs that come in as mostly one person's contribution. You know, there are things that we all write in the studio together, but there are definite things that, oh, this is Johnny's tune, oh, this is Pat Roach's tune, oh, this sure. is Chris Head's tune. And and sometimes it's like, well, this is this is a track that Johnny made, but Chris made the beat to it. And now I need to figure out what melodically Chris was doing, and Chris has no idea what melodically Chris was doing. So, uh, and, and those are the ones that, to me, end up the most... The most LEC like is yeah. where, like something we do really well as a band, I think, is we reverse engineer really well as a band. Hmm. We'll be like, we want to make something that sounds like this, or one of us will come in with a demo of like, here's the thing, no idea what's going on here. Right. Let's figure it <laughs> let's out. Let's figure. Cool. Let's figure it out. Let's work backwards until it sounds like us. Cool. That's an interesting process to draw from like that and kind of do that reverse deconstruction. I haven't heard any of our musical guests describe their, their process like that yet. I don't think. Yeah. Well, I don't think so. I think that's unique. It's cool too. I've been listening. I've known Johnny for a very long time. It's been cool listening to how over the years with the different makeups of the band, uh, how it's grown and and gone in different directions with the uh, music that's been put out. Yeah. I really enjoy the LAC. It's always been always been some of my favorite local music. It's made me such a better player too, because like when I joined the LEC, I joined the LEC in 2014, um, and I was like at that point I was only a keyboard player enough to serve what I was doing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it was like shit. I need to learn parts. I'm gonna have to play solos. What did I just sign myself <laughs> yeah. up for? Learn scales and all your chords. And... Yeah, and I mean, like, I knew my chords okay, my theories okay, but just my chops, like, um, you know, I one wayness is not fast music mostly. No. <laughs> like, there is no. not a whole lot of like executing any kind of like technical fancy finger work right. in most of what I'm doing. It's uh, you know, it's. It's one note and then eventually another note. Like <laughs> yeah. there's, there's not a whole lot of like, you know, playing in really tight time. There's not a lot of playing very 
parts that need to be exactly what they are. Um, so like it, it has done wonders for just my, just my musicianship as a keyboard player. Um, and I joined the band with all of this existing material. You know, they had two albums out at the time that I joined and that was what we were playing. Like mm -hmm. the, the second one, the self-titled, the Lower East Side Connection one was, was still pretty new at the time. So it was basically here, here's, here's the stuff, here's the stuff, learn it all. Right. And the one person who really, from a technical standpoint, knew how it all worked is the one person who was no longer in the band. Oh, no. <laughs> the one person who, like, would have been able to tell me, like, oh, this is a B minor. Oh, it does this. It was Pat Troster, which is the guy who I replaced in the band. Um, so they had, like, partial notes on some of it and, you know, some stuff that was partially right and partially not right on some of it. So it was a lot of just like put the record on, figure it out by ear. So and which is a great skill as a player and it was great practice at that skill as a player. Right. You don't have a choice other than to do it that way it seemed like. Yeah. And uh sometimes when we're not given a choice and we only have like that option of learn this or don't learn this, you either you either sink or swim, you know, and that kind of separates I feel like that's a good characterization of like people as person, like first people who are going to succeed and the people that are going to give up halfway through when things get challenging. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, and like now doing, um, now doing Darksider, like it comes, it comes so much easier than I expect it to. Cause I'm learning Pink Floyd songs the same way, yeah. like put on the record and figuring out how they go. Um, it's coming so much easier than I expected. And I kind of realized at some point, like, oh, this is because of the LEC. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's a weird notion to think that being in the LEC makes me better at playing Pink Floyd. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's true. Well, a lot of the same skills and stuff obviously transpose themselves onto Pink Floyd. Yeah. And the learning of the material, obviously. Yeah. Practice makes perfect. Yeah. You absolutely. put the time in and you'll be given some sort of beautiful rewards down the road. Um, so what do you got going on recently? Is there anything coming up? Recently or coming up? Coming up, sorry. <laughs> Both. I, recently. Both. What's Re been happening and what's going to happen? Yeah. Recently I saw you at Feed. I saw some Instagram stuff. I saw you there. Yes. But I'm, we must have rolled out of there before you went on. Yeah, One Wayness played at, uh, at Feed for Gallery Night. It will have been about a month ago at the time that you're hearing this. Wow, uh, you did that better than we do. Yeah, usually. that's mm -hmm. a calendar math in my head. <laughs> uh, and end of June, one wayness will have will have played at uh, at Feed for Gallery Night, which was great fun. Um, Feed has been Feed has been an awesome, exciting discovery. Yeah, it looks like that's going to be. I mean, it, Brent, we got to get Brenton on here sometime too. We're working on that. But he's doing in some really cool, innovative, interesting things down there for sure. Yeah, and he, he's really only getting started. I, I wandered into the place um, about a year ago. They they kind of had a. I don't know how much of the space you got to see while you're there. That there's, I mean, the the building is gigantic. The building mm -hmm. is fifty thousand square feet. Right. For anybody who hasn't been there, but uh, they have this. Uh, garage space downstairs that faces out towards the back alley which is like the same back alley that's the back alley behind Callie's mm -hmm. um, which they're now calling the sandbox sweet mm. so they had kind of a, a soft opening the rest of the building was like not ready to have people in it yet but they did a, a kind of soft opening in this garage space opening into the back alley last last August 
which is when I met De- went down and met Benton and you know got to see the building and stuff. And um, yeah, he's got big big plans for the place. Like there's going to be they've started having residencies and guest artists mm-hmm. that are that are there all through the summer, kind of on rotating um, different sets of guest artists there every couple of weeks. Yeah, doing new installations of audiovisual art and usually some kind of workshop or performance or both while they're there. Yeah. And uh, I've gotten to get involved in a couple of those, uh, either helping to bring in some extra artists or, or playing some of those. And, um, you know, I've, I've been hosting experimental shows in Erie for the last 10 years or so. Uh, I've got the uh, Electroflux Experimental Music Series. It's mm. my, uh, my series of events that I do. Um, and feed has been able to be a home for, for some of that too, which is, which has been really exciting. Cause I walked into the place. I'm like, Oh my God, I want to do everything I ever do here. Right. Um, like I want this to be, to be my tree house where I get to make all the music. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, um, the factory, the audio or the audio stuff is very interesting, but he, I, it's very much a visual place and it seems like Mm -hmm. all of the audio stuff definitely has some sort of visual aspect that's like interactive a lot of times or some way to to kind of complement the music that's going on yeah well and that's very much benton's background he's a he's a video artist um an analog video artist which is like i didn't even know such a thing exists yeah he's got analog like video synthesis hardware and stuff like he's got crazy he's got some crazy he's like one of it's like you see the i've seen the videos on like youtube where people are doing like analog mixing and audio and they got like ten thousand chords and they're like plugging things on different soundboards and doing all this wacky stuff that's kind of what i imagine him doing except he's probably a lot more careful than <laughs> he's not as careful as you might think. He's, yeah, uh, he's a little bit of a he's a little bit of a wild card in all the best ways. It, remi- it. it reminds me of like uh, what maybe like Andy Warhol's factory or like the the Mary Prankster acid tests would have been like in the sixties. Just yeah. a mixture of music and like you know visual and light work and stuff, and mm-hmm. it, and a lot of openness too, and openness to experimentation. Exactly, and yeah. all of that and. Um, you know, trying to trying to create community and create a scene and all of that for people doing wild audiovisual stuff, which is which is super exciting for yeah. me because yeah. uh, I, I hang out with people like that. I right? think it's super interesting, and we've talked about. I can't remember which guest, and I apologize to whoever this was. We talked about it with, but I think it's so cool and interesting and eerie because we've talked with multiple people, and you see that for the mid to small size city that we are, we have really like a big city vibe for the art scene around here. Yeah. So many artists and musicians. Or like something like this, I feel like you wouldn't find, like like Feed, I don't think you'd find that in many like comparable sized cities across the country. Well, or if you did, it would be so lost in the shuffle that you might not even notice. Right. Right. I mean, I, there, I'm sure there's places like Feed around that also are in big cities that still don't get noticed. Right. Well, and, you know, I, I've i toured with One Awayness and toured with some of my other projects, and it, it, one, of the, one of the nice things, and maybe I'm biased because I'm from Erie, but one of the nice things about playing in places like Erie is, like, you can gather all the weirdos in Erie in one place and have, sure can. have, a, oh, yeah. have a pretty happening party. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've, I've played, I played in Brooklyn one time, and happening in Brooklyn on the same night, Jay-Z was playing at the Barclays Center. 
Um, Animal Collective was playing somewhere else in Brooklyn. And I forget what the third thing was, but like I was only my own fourth choice of shows happening in Brooklyn. There's a lot to compete with. Yeah. And, you know, in Erie, and it it happens in Erie too, you know, and, and part of that is. Part of that is something I think we need to work on as a scene, and that's communication between venues and events. And venues and events and people who are doing similar things. But, you know, it, it does happen in here. That's too, like the worst part of booking any event. It's like, shit, I didn't realize it was going to be. Well, it's just like setting up dates that work with everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that the- adds a whole other level of complexity. I agree. It is. It would be tremendously valuable but that would be a also a tremendously difficult job. To yeah, try and the more coordinate. the more moving parts you add, the harder right. and harder it gets. And sometimes these bands that can come by can only come by, you know, one time. You know right. what I mean? It's only once in their in their loop. And you get like, you know, if you book them too early, you know, you maybe want to wait around, see, you know, make sure there's not something that'll take away from the audience. But you book it too early, and then another venue like puts yeah. out a similar type band or something. You're like, oh shit! Like, it's all about opportunity too. Yeah, when the, when the big fish swims on your hook, you gotta fucking reel that bitch in. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, Erie's such a weird like. Sometimes I'm I go to a show and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be crazy. It's gonna be packed, and there's like not really anybody there. Then other times I'm like, oh, it'll be a chill night, and it's just like, yeah, sold out. You know, they well, gotta compete with like Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Buffalo too. Some nights, you that's know, that's true. Well, and especially in post COVID times, you gotta compete with people's couches. Yeah, sure. Like that's that's honestly that's the competition now it's not other shows it's people not wanting to go anywhere or do anything yeah um which uh, which is i mean i get it it's real um like and you know in the streaming era and all the world's entertainment at your fingertips all the time like people do not go out the way people used to go out no i mean i think you really gotta hold up one just yeah boom boom I have no idea what we were talking about. We were talking about the scene. Everything at once. We were talking about everything, everything at once, at once. baby. Yeah. We are talking about what you've been doing recently and what you will Trying continue to, to do in the future. Yeah. Coordination. Oh, coordination yeah. between venues and coordination stuff Coordination like that. between venues. That's wishful thinking. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a thing that, it's a thing that I think. One of the things that I think the scene could do benefit. a little bit better at, sure. and I don't know, I don't know how to make that happen. You gotta, have, you gotta be the best goddamn promoter on the face of the planet. You gotta just, we'll give, we'll, we'll enact a monopoly, <laughs> and we'll put me in charge of everything at once, and I'll just coordinate all the bands and line everything up. That sounds exhausting. That sounds exhausting. I don't want that job. I was just using myself as an example. Yeah. But that would really be the only way I could do it, and I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think you'd you'd have to have someone in this day and age who is just a, a wizard with social media, just a top of the line fucking. Yeah, it's not influencer. even social media. It's just like t- sending out five thousand texts all the time everywhere, which yeah. is not fun. It's one. It's one of those things. I sit around sometimes and go, I wish I had an intern. Yeah, huh. I'm hoping I can get an intern at my new jobs eventually. That's going to be really cool. He's gonna. Yeah, like, uh, don't don't we all just need an underling in yeah. our lives to be like my oh, personal assistant? I don't have time to do this. Will you take care of this for right. me? And just let me know when it's done. <sighs> the dream someday. Well, we were talking about feed and like Benton from feed. He's got interns and like if he can have, interns, I'm sure he does. 
If he, he probably can, has a whole gaggle of interns. If he can have interns, why can't I have interns? <laughs> I probably could have interns. I've 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 given this more than a little thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, that's the dream. Yeah, the dream is interns. The dream is underlings to do my. Uh, so when you were at Feed, did you do your, you had some videos going on in the background. Was that you controlling that? No, that was Zion Thompson. That was VJ Betty Sweaters. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just, I, I, I remember seeing that now. Yeah. Uh, Zion is um, an eerie native who's been mostly living in San Francisco and L.A. for the last uh, few years, but comes, is, has family here and comes back to town because he's one of the organizers of the Firelights Festival. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Uh, which I'm going to be playing this year. One Wayness is going to be playing this year. So I'm unfamiliar with it. Tell me a little bit about it. Firelights Festival, it's um, kind of a jam band and EDM and weirdo electronics festival, but with a lot of um, video and live projection elements Fantastic. and stuff, Perfect. too. It, I think this is going to be the third year. It had started out in Edinburgh. At, uh, I don't remember the name of the park, but the park is like back by the volunteer fire department across mm-hmm. from General McLean High School. Okay. Uh, but this year it's moving to the Heron, so it's going to be at the Ooh, Heron this sweet. year. So multiple stages at the Heron, three days of uh, fun electronics and jam bands. And uh, I'm going to play, I'm not sure yet what uh, night or morning that I'm playing, but I'm going to be playing a very late night or early morning. Your music's uh, perfect for that. Graveyard graveyard shift set, which, yeah. I'm, which I'm honestly pretty excited about. Like I like... One of my, one of my live albums. I have a live album called Vigil that was uh, recorded on. There's a. I listened to that one. There's a, um, a radio show on WXPN in Philly called Stars End. That's every Saturday night, one a.m. to six a.m. Hmm. Uh, which I've played live on a couple of times. I think three times now. Uh, but that that live album was recorded live on WXPN from like four a.m. to five a.m. That's so like the magic time. That's when my, especially if I don't have much sleep around that time, my brain starts acting a little weird, and I, I like that. Yeah, and like that happens when you're trying to play music at that time of night too. Sure, like that, and you know, um, yeah, it's uh, that time of night. Kind of regardless of how much sleep you've had or how much caffeine you've had, uh, does does interesting things to your brain. I think. Yeah. So like that to me is is a is an album that that kind of has that late night feel to it and uh you know a lot of my stuff i think works as that kind of late night feel so i'm i'm happy to be happy to be playing one of those one of those cool. kind of slots i think that'll be real fun yeah that's special too i think getting at being outside of your normal consciousness whether it's from the time or the sleep or the caffeine or whatever there it's uh it's really interesting to me because i just like viewing things from a perspective that I wouldn't normally have under uh, standard conditions. Yeah, you and know? things kind of come out that you're not quite sure where they came from. And yeah. that's... that's It's beautiful. That's conducive to the kind of stuff that I get myself into. So, you know, I, 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 like, I like having that. One of, my, uh, one of my plans, long-term plans, bucket list plans, uh, there's this guy, Robert Rich, who's one of my big influences who used to do these sleep concerts. He still does them every once in a while, but used to do them a lot in the early 80s, where it's basically an eight-hour overnight set. Hmm. Like bring people in like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Go all night long. Go all night. Like basically, and the plan is like bring sleeping bags, bring a mat, bring something to lay down on. And he yeah. used to just like host them at his apartment in California in the 80s. Um, so like start off a little, you know, 
kind of middle of the road and then lull people to sleep. Yeah. And then the idea is that everybody is asleep at some point and you sort of guide them through their sleep and then you mm-hmm. wake them up in the morning. And I, I think he used to like make used to make coffee or make tea or something to mm, wake for people up. to for people to wake up to in the morning. So that's sure. that's one of my one of my one of my long-term things I'd like to do at least once. Like it, it gives me like festival vibes, you know, cuz everybody's kind of passing out at different times. You'll wake back up and there's still people at the fire at 4 in the morning and <laughs> there's music going on down the down the road on the, or the campsite road yeah. or whatever. It, it's cool. Are, are you are you are you guys chafees goers? I haven't been recently, but I went to Chafee's for, oh man, like 2007 to 2013 every year. Yeah. Well, it, it and makes, uh, it makes Nelson's me, Ledges. It makes me think of like you wake up at Chafee's no matter what time of the middle of the night is. There's some sort of drums coming from the woods. Right, yeah. Um, and lasers flying through the air yeah. and lights and... <laughs> That maybe the the people next to you got that big projector set up that they do out there. You know, there's always stuff going yeah. on. Any festival. Any festival. I don't think I've ever slept at night at a festival. I definitely have briefly, but for the most part, I'm I'm a not sleeping festival goer as well. I'm, I'm too old to not sleep at festivals. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't get great sleep at festivals, and I, I if anything, I end up waking up earlier than I want to at sure. festivals rather than like being up later than I want yeah. to at festivals. The light has a big effect on me too. I have to have like blackout shades, or I'm up at six in the morning with the sun every night, every day. I am anyway. Even with the blackout shades, it doesn't help. But yeah, <laughs> I can sleep through anything. I can fall asleep, but uh, staying asleep is a completely different story. It de- it depends on on the situation. But yeah, when I'm at a festival around all those people, it doesn't have to be like a a drug thing per se. Like I just don't trust motherfuckers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's so true. I'm too. staying awake at all moments yeah. in yeah. time until you watch know. your back. Exactly at the festies. I don't care. They say free loving hippies. I don't trust them. You know. <laughs> Speaking of Chafees, though, LEC <laughs> will be back at Chafees this year for the first time in a couple of years, which awesome. is which is exciting. We're playing the. Uh, the late night, the double late night side stage slot on Ooh. Friday night, which is kind of uh, kind of one of our favorite slots to play. Uh, you get to play two short little 25, 30 minute sets. So, um, so yeah, we'll be right before the headliner and right before the band before the headliner on on Friday night at Chafee's. So we're we're looking forward to that. And then uh, LEC is also playing at Celebrate Erie this year. We're opening for uh, opening for Flo Rida. No Celebrate way! Erie you guys are opening for him. Yes, we that are. is so cool. It hasn't been like super announced yet, but uh, yeah, we are opening for Flo Rida at Celebrate Erie, and that's, that's going to be. The plan is we're going to make that kind of a, a celebration of the whole history of LEC. I think everybody's going to. Pretty much everybody who's been in the band at some point is going to come back and at least guest on a couple. Pat Troster's going to come back for a couple. Keith G's going to sit in on a couple, we think. Um, Chris Corona's going to come back from, from Portland for some. Justin Tapper's going to sit in on a few. So it's going to be like starting at the, you know, the earliest beginning and sort of get all of those lineups on stage for at least a couple uh, and sort of sort of big blowout celebration. We're not we're not calling it we never call anything the last LEC. We we like the last several LEC shows have been like, well, we got no plans after this. Mm-hmm. And uh and that's true for these current ones too. We got no plans after this. And we're all we're all kind of doing our own thing. I mean, we I've I've always been doing my own thing, but you know, Johnny's 
busy man. Johnny's a busy man. Johnny's more or less running the Rook, and Johnny's got his own solo record that he keeps trying to finish. And uh, Chris Head's got a big boy job now, and Dan Head's got kids, and I've got kids, and Ton Foch has kids, and Pat Roach has kids. Um, Hmm. So you know we're all we're all busy with stuff, um, and we've all kind of got our own priorities. So you know maybe maybe there will be things after this. Maybe there won't be things after this, but. this will definitely be that's huge. So definitely be the biggest stage and the most people we've ever got yeah. to play in front of. So it's like this is this is a chance to uh, to kind of do the uh, <laughs> do 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 the Hall of Fame induction set Hell and get yeah. everybody out there and do everything that everybody wants to hear. So it's gonna be so cool, man. I'm pumped about that. Yeah, man. I'm excited about it. We're just we're just getting started working on it, and that's it's gonna, gonna cool. be that's gonna be middle of August. I think August 19th, whatever that Saturday is. Mm-hmm. Like big crowd of people, that's gonna be so awesome on a huge stage. Yeah, really loud. Oh, it's just what Erie needed for sure. Yeah, that's that's good. our studio manager Gideon. She's, I get in. She uh, keeps this whole operation from falling apart. She does her best. <laughs> she, she she comes down to make sure we're not fucking around too much. Yeah. Well, Adam, this has been super cool, dude. Absolutely, we've had a great time hanging out here, hearing about what's going on, talking music, and talking shop with you. Um, we appreciate you coming down. That froze again. Oh man, that's okay. We're just gonna finish it out. Do 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 do. No, yeah. Stand by for technical difficulties. No, we're good. Yeah, they're <laughs> fine. Um, yeah, thanks for coming down. Absolutely, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for thanks all of our Patreon members. I don't know why I'm looking at the camera. It, it we're looking broke. at the camera, looking at you. Yeah, yeah. Don't think we're not. We are. We're yeah. here. It's just not looking at us. And thanks to all our sponsors. Make sure you guys all like, subscribe, follow, all of that fun stuff. Check out Adam and One Wayness. You're on Bandcamp. Yeah. You're on YouTube. It's really cool music. Uh, it's on, uh, not everything is on all the streaming services, but if you do Spotify, Apple Music, any of that, there's at least some selected releases on there. Uh, onewayness.com, onewayness.bandcamp.com, uh, at One Wayness on all the social medias is. Hell yeah. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Y'all have a great night. Peace. Goodbye. Bye.